Here we go, last show of the year, and we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to talk about the top 10 women and the top 10 men of the year with a few honorable mentions on each side. We have four for each side. This list was very hard, and I even looked up the PWI women's and men's, and and I very rarely agree with anything they say. On this, I think I only agree with like two or three of them like in the same slot. But this is based off of my enjoyment and what I thought they brought to the industry in a time of uncertainty and a time of darkness. Um, that's mainly for WWE and well for everywhere, I guess. Um, but it's a it's a mixed bag. It's gonna be controversial. I know my list will be different than yours because um, no one has the same list, you know. But this is my list. I would love to know yours. So. Instagram me, email me, and I would love to know. But let's hit the honorable mentions first. The honorable mentions, one, for the women, is Britt Baker. I really feel like her injury derailed her, and she would have been in line for a women's championship match with Hikaru Shida way earlier. Um, she, to me, I think the feud with uh, Big Swole suffered because of it, and even when they had their blow-off match, you could tell she was still hurt, and, it's, and they did a cinematic match to cover that up. Um, she's just getting rolling now, and I think her and Thunder Rosa, I'm assuming that match will eventually have to happen. I don't think they're going to wait for it to be too much from now Revolution, but she knows how to get a ton of heat. She, Her and the segments with Tony Schiavone are just fantastic. She has the interview part down, the heel part down. She's getting the in-ring stuff down. I've noticed she's gotten better, right? And so, to me, I think she's going to end up winning that Women's Championship at some point in time in 2021. But at the end of the day, that's why she's on the list as honorable mention. I couldn't put her on. And this is going to be a theme. If you missed a lot of time this year, like self-imposed time, not because like COVID or anything, you're probably going to be on my honorable mentions list. Next up, Charlotte Flair. Even though she did win the Royal Rumble, she did win the NXT title, and she did lose the NXT title at In Your House. Really, she got taken out by Nia Jackson. She took time off. I couldn't put her in my top 10 because the match with her and Rhea was good. The Women's Royal Rumble was good. But overall, I, I, I think it was just typical Charlotte Flair. Like, she doesn't really... She's a natural heel, obviously. But she just doesn't impress me when, like, the reason they put her on NXT was to boost the numbers. The numbers didn't boost because no one wants to see Charlotte Flair win all the time. <laughs> you know, so I think for, for so for me that hurt. And then, like I said, she took her own vacation, or trying to, if you believe the rumors or the, the innuendo, uh, she's trying to find roles in Hollywood and uh, stuff like that, which is fine. But because she missed, I, I want to say she's going to be gone for officially half the year now. So her first half was there, and I can't put her on top ten as she missed that much time. That's just not how this works for me. Number three, Becky Lynch. She came in. Still on fire. Um, uh, uh, people were getting a little, little bit of it. You know, she was getting a little full of herself. You could see a, a, a heel turn coming. But you know what? It's not her fault. Outside of Asuka coming into this year, she had no one to, to, to battle with. When when they lost Ronda Rousey, and she's been gone for almost two years now, they lost her best foil. 
those two need to have a one-on-one match. And by the time you hear this, you have heard my uh, my my fantasy booking for WrestleMania 37. I think those two need to face in a trilogy, you know. And so to me, she just lost her best foil. You can only wrestle Charlotte Flair so many times, Sasha Banks so many times, and Bailey so many times. So she needs a new foil. She needs new new enemies. And her and Oscar still have scores to settle. But the most important thing is she came in. And I'm not, I had to penalize her, but I mean, yeah, she was gone because she was pregnant. So like, I had to. She can't be on my top ten. Gone for nine months of the year. Um, number four, Shayna Baszler. She's been unfortunately, <laughs> the the she's been misfortune of bad booking. She should have won the Royal Rumble. Then they did an unnecessary, boring elimination chamber match where yeah, she dominated, but. It was no need for it. It was so bad. It wasn't enjoyable. Um, she did win the tag team titles with Nia Jax, and I am enjoying their dynamic. I really am, you know. But I'm assuming 2021, she's gonna have to get out of a tag team. She's too good to just be stuck in a tag team, a mix, a makeshift tag team of all things. I'm assuming the goals come around her waist at some point in time next year. But I couldn't put her on top ten, even though she was active. All- she wasn't even active all year. She was off TV for a while, and that was because WWE had nothing for her. But I couldn't put her on top 10 just because of the direction they put her in has been terrible. She lost to, to Becky Lynch, and I don't know if by the time they recorded WrestleMania, I don't know if they knew Becky Lynch was pregnant. According to Becky Lynch, she had said, hey, I want to lose to Shayna at WrestleMania. So I think they I think they did know. I think they did know she was pregnant and so she said, hey, I think I want to lose to Shayna. They refused to let her lose to Shayna. So that really hurt her. Her losing to, to, to Becky Lynch one-on-one and then losing the Royal Rumble the way she did. She should have won both. It's unfortunate, but I couldn't put her in my top 10 because of that. Let's get into the top 10 now. Number 10, Jordan Grace. I love her. I think she's absolutely stunning, not just look-wise, but in the ring. She's a unique look for a woman. Uh, for just She's built, like to me, like Camilla is like is built and she's like really athletic but jordana grace to me reminds me of like a keith lee where she's like just just keith lee's not short but she's short but she's like uh, stout and like she's athletic as hell and she can do a lot of things in the ring she won the impact women's championship in january held for six months to losing it to diana perrazzo I think bigger things are in the way for her as she's now been teaming with Jazz, who I thought retired, but apparently not. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. Congratulations to her. She had gotten married to uh, Jonathan Grisham, who may or may not be on my next list. He'd done some big things in 2020 as well. They are a power couple in the making. And I'm looking forward to seeing more from both people. Number nine, Hiroshida. Defeating Nyla Rose to become the current and longest reigning AEW Women's Champion. She has a new um, feud of her coming her way with Abaddon. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I don't know if they're going to put that Women's Championship on Abaddon. I was always assuming that that Women's Championship was being kind of uh, uh, held until Britt was ready. But Abaddon's a threat. You know, as if many of you have listened to the show knows I used to work with Abaddon at Rocky Mountain Pro. I, I, I like her. I think, me personally, if I was them, I would put the championship on her. She has a unique look, um, and she could be a threat to anyone in that women's division. So, Hiroshida is number nine. Uh, she's been active all year. I think she's been 
underutilized in AEW, quite frankly, but we could say that about a lot of their women's divisions. We know that's their weakness as of right now um, because WWE has signed all the women. <laughs> they literally have all the talent. The, the strongest talent to women's division in all of professional wrestling is WWE between NXT and the main roster, but mainly NXT. They've signed all the women up. So it's part their fault, part not their fault, but she should not be taken off the list because they can't find a strong direction for her. That's not her fault. Number eight, Thunder Rosa has made a bang in the pandemic. Unfortunately, she was the NWA Women's Champion. The pandemic hit. NWA wasn't running any shows. They struck a deal to where Thunder Rosa can work for AEW. And so you're thinking, all right, she'll defend the women's title a couple of times. That's cool, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, she loses the Women's Championship to Serena Deeb. And all of a sudden, she's still on TV feuding with Britt Baker. So now it's like, holy crap. So even though she signed under NWA contract, she's still on national television, which she would not be getting if the NWA was currently open. So she's doing big things. She's still doing her MMA thing. And she's already said, hey, whoever I sign with next year, because she's on the contract for one more year, whoever I sign with next year, if they don't let me do my MMA and all my extra side stuff, I won't sign with them. I really hope she keeps her word on that because WWE would not let her do that. We already know the whole situation with um, Zia Lee, how he pulled her from something. She is too good to be held down. If she can be a great addition, she is already a great addition to AEW Women's Locker Room and the feud she's having with Britt Baker. I'm hoping she just signs with them officially and I know they'll let her do everything she wants to do. So she's number eight. Number seven. This one's controversial for me because she almost didn't make my list at all, and that would be that's technically blasphemous. But I have not liked her direction. She's cooled off significantly, and she feels less special. And I'm gonna tell you why in a second. Number seven is Rhea Ripley. So she came in as the hottest thing in women's wrestling this year. She was on fire. She went from winning Survivor Series, winning War Games. Defeating Shayna Baszler to win the NXT Women's Championship. And then when they decided to put Charlotte on NXT, she lost and she cooled off tremendously. Even taking the pin in the triple threat match and, and lo losing to Io Shirai, where Io Shirai won the Women's Championship. She's lacked direction. She's had some good matches with Ra Raquel Gonzalez. But to me, she's cooled off significantly. I am hoping... That when my fancy booking, something comes to fruition for her and she gets hot again into 2021. But she almost didn't make my list because of how cold she got. But then I realized, you know what? You can't be a part of the hottest women's division in all of wrestling and be the and be the focal point at all time. Even at some points in time, Io Shirai has taken a back seat to hell. Just last week, Rhea and Tony Storm main evented NXT and just a grudge match. So even the women's champion takes a backseat when, you when you're in the highest division in pro wrestling. So I couldn't hold that against her. So number seven is Rhea Ripley. Number six is Candice LeRae. This will be another controversial one. To me, Candice LeRae is one, a, her and Johnny are great as a heel team. But she's had put in some of the, her best work this year. And even though she did not win the women's championship like I thought she would... Her feud with Io Shirai, and now she's going into this thing with Shotzi Blackheart. She's a two-time War Games winner. Like, to me, she's just been all over the place, but she's been relevant all over the place. And I think that's where, that's why I had to put her ahead of Rhea. Rhea has been times where Rhea's just 
not doing anything. But Candace, because Candace and Johnny were put together, and they've just been all over the place together, it's like they've been relevant. They've had their skits on NXT. Like, they're always getting television time, and you don't see them miss anything. And even with her being injured now due to war games, she's still on television, and now they have a group called The Way. Johnny Gargano, spoiler alert, did not even make my top 10 men's or honorable mentions. This is important to show how Candice Ray has been relevant and not just relevant, but having great matches this entire year. Number five, Sasha Banks, becoming a part of the first ever two-woman power trip, holding the SmackDown Championship, or excuse me, no, she was holding the Raw Women's Championship, defeating Asuka, and then winning the World Tag Team Championships with Bayley. She she got hot again. She got relevant again. And even though she's a face, and I know people are clamoring for her to turn heel, she did great work. And I, even though they did pull a swerve on us, and Bailey was the one that turned heel, not not Sasha, it's okay because then she ends up winning and defeating Bailey. And then more importantly, because she's held held women's championship gold before. More importantly, she's held on to it, and I believe she's gonna hold on to it until WrestleMania. That's why she's my number five for 2020. Started off slow, but now it's just on cruise control, baby. Number four, the current NXT Women's Champion, who I believe is going to lose. As, as we hear this, we have one week until she loses, I'm calling it, to Raquel Gonzalez on January 6th. Io Shirai winning the title at In Your House in a triple threat match, defeating Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. She's had some great matches. Her feud with Cancel Ray to me was phenomenal. She had great moments in the NXT War Games, but more importantly, she has been a fighting champion, but she has been... A, a relevant champion. She has not had the what I like to call the Chris Jericho run, where it's mainly forgotten because she's put to the back burner. No, she's been as relevant as she can be, and the strongest. Once again, the strongest women's division in all of pro wrestling, which is just hard to do. Number three, Tessa Blanchard. I know some people will keep her off the list. I know you're gonna say, well, she hasn't been active in almost six months, and then 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 then. When you come into the year as hot as she was, when you come into the year as hot as she was in her feud with Sammy Callahan, and when you are the woman that wins the first ever, when you're the first woman to ever win a men's world heavyweight championship, you have to be on this list. Um, she, she, she leveled up this year, and no one can ever take that from her. I know Booker T said that was the worst booking decision in wrestling history. That's his prerogative. That's his business. That's fine. I had to put her on her list, even though she went MI because she got married to Daga, her husband, and she wanted to take time off. And apparently her and Impact had some issues and all this stuff. Now, we, and she's also had some issues with her own women. <laughs> you know, so those are things that cannot be um, covered up or forgotten. Supposedly she's made some racist comments. Um, I know some people, some Tessa Blanchard, Super fans that say, hey, she's she's marrying a Mexican guy. How can she be racist? Look here. I have that's not what this is about. To me, I had to put her on her list, put her on this list, because she held the Impact Women's Championship for almost a year. Gail Kim came out of retirement. Gail Kim, think about how crazy this is. How crazy this is. Gail Kim, one of the greatest, most underappreciated women's wrestlers of all time. Came out of retirement just to put her over. The same way Trish Stratus technically came out of retirement to put Charlotte Flair over. That is nothing to 
just sly at or roll your eyes at. It really isn't. She leveled up this year, winning the men's woman men's world's heavyweight championship. Wherever she signs next, it's gonna be important and it's gonna be key to her legacy, what she does there. At first there was rumors that AEW was not interested because of her attitude. Now it's rumors that they are interested. They have to be interested because she is a superstar. And because she can help bolster that woman's division. They lost Mercedes Martinez. But Mercedes Martinez also seems like the female um, uh, the female Ibushi. She feels like she it's hard to lock her down. Um, but WWE does not need her. Can they use her? That would be... A, I've heard this on another podcast. I think Saw Monster sounds off. He has it right when he says that if WWE signs her... That is a guaranteed main event between Charlotte Flair and Tessa Blanchard. I don't know how... Um, I know he had made a comment to the effect of Telly would be involved. That's, I don't think it would be possible unless he was willing to get out of his contract to do it. But to me, that is a guaranteed main event there. However, she can bolster... The way I see her is Destination. I used to be a football fan. I'm from New Orleans. When I think of the Saints, Sean Payton and Drew Brees has made that destination football. It's not a big market, but if you come here, you're going to win. Tessa Blanchard is that. You sign her, more and more women are like, well, I heard the bad things about her. kind of dislike her, but she hasn't pulled uh, a, a, a sexy star. She hasn't taken liberties with anybody in the ring. You know? So why wouldn't I want to work with her and make big money? It's the Hogan effect. You go there... You follow that person because you see where the money is. You see where the potential championships are. That's what she is. I don't know who's going to get her. I have no clue. If I had to guess, WWE is going to get her, even though they had her. WWE had her, and they didn't, they didn't sign her. She was a part of the May Young, the first May Young Classic. She wanted to sign with them. They refused to sign her. Some people said because of her bad attitude. I don't know. But both companies want her now. They both can use her. AEW needs her. If I take a guess, she would, I, I'm assuming she's going to sign with WWE. I'm assuming. So, number two, Asuka. Asuka has been MVP for Raw. Number one is MVP for SmackDown. You know, already know where I'm going. But Asuka came into this year kind of cold, you know? Um, kind of still finding direction. Not, not cold. Kind of still. No, it was cold. Because all of a sudden we have a heel, Kyrie Sane and Asuka as a tag team, which which we didn't, which they, there was no signs of it. It was just really weird. Then they ended up winning the women's tag team championships, having a great run. They have they had great chemistry together. They lose them at WrestleMania to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and then all of a sudden now is the, the, the rumors are happening that Kyrie Sane are going, is going back to Japan. So I was like, all right, what do you do with Asuka? You can do a lot with Asuka. And they, to their credit, have until the, the end of the year where she's cooled off some. She wins the women's money in the bank match, where we, where we learn that she ends up winning the women's Raw championship because of Becky Lynch's pregnancy. Well, then she goes on to have some great matches, you know, t- television matches with Sasha Banks and Bailey, feuding with them. But to me, she's become. One of the most decorated women in WWE history. 
a Royal Rumble winner, Women's Tag Team Champion, Raw Tag Team Champion, SmackDown Tag Team Champion, Money in the Bank winner, and outside of the name, the fabulous Moolah, who has over 10,000, 10, 10, 10, I'm saying that right, over 10,000 days as Women's Champion, she's right behind her, no one has more days um, as consecutively, well, not consecutively, but combined as a women's champion as Asuka. She has now surpassed over a thousand days as a combined women's champion. Bailey had the record for all of three days. She lost the women's championship to uh, to Sasha Banks. Three days later, Bailey took it over. But more importantly, now she's over a thousand days as combined women's champion. No one has more days as women's champion than her than named Fabulous Moolah. She's become a megastar, in my opinion. She's entertaining. She could be funny. Um, but she is currently lacking opponents. Once again, I can't blame that on her because Raw and SmackDown have weak tag team divisions. But you also can't just drain NXT or keep draining them. You know, that's why I think when they do purge NXT of these women, I'm just assuming they're going to bring in Tessa, you know. But number one, you all know, uh, this is where I do a group PWI. Bailey has been the best woman, best heel on the women's division all year long. She came in over a year with the champion. Number three on the combined women's championship list. Nothing to snap at. Charlotte Flair has, I believe, seven more world championship reigns than her and six more world championship reigns than Asuka. And yet she does not have as many combined days as a women's champion as this woman does. That is something that she said. She has carried the banner the same way my number one men has man has carried the banner all year. No time off. Great matches, great feuds, and just overall entertaining. So, just to recount, number 10, Jordan Grace. Number 9, Hikiro Shida. 8, Thunder Rosa. 7, Rhea Ripley. 6, Candice LeRae, five, Sasha Banks, four, Io Shirai, three, Tessa Blanchard, two, Asuka, and one is Bailey. So how we're going to do this, I'm going to break this up. You're going to hear a commercial, and then we're going to get into my top 100. Yeah, right. Top 10 men's. Hey, guys, I'm AP. And I'm your girl, Black Mamba, and we are the hosts of The Hate Journals, a weekly comedy podcast. We know we aren't the only ones that get annoyed by the daily grind, and lately there's a lot to be annoyed about, and we get it. Join us each week as we roast and toast all the things that we love to hate. Nothing is off limits as we rant, rave, and laugh our way through our own experiences, current events, and so much more. So tune in weekly to listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or check us out on our website at thehatejournals.com. That's right, guys. Let us help you get you through your week every week with the Hate Journals podcast. We hope you enjoy. Bye. All right, we're back. And let me get my notes straight because you're hearing right now. And we're going to hit the first honorable mentions for the men. Number one, Seth Rollins. He had some really good matches. He led Dominique to a great match. Dominique to a great match at SummerSlam. But his never-ending feud with the Mysterios, it, 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 it cost him to me. Like, he couldn't be in my top ten because he just he feuded with the same people. 
about what I, I don't know. I, I Oh, yeah, the eyeball thing. You know, he feud with him for half the year. He did have a great match with KO at WrestleMania. But, I mean, like, after that, I, I, I think they lacked a clear direction and they just kept him in an ongoing feud that would never, ever end. But he did have some good matches this year. Number two. Speaking of Kevin Owens, he made number two. My honorable mentions. He had some good feuds all year long. His feud were currently going on with Roman Reigns right now. By the time we hear this, he would have lost. I'm calling it. He would have lost at TLC. But he had good feuds with Roman Reigns. Good feuds uh, with, with Seth Rollins. But, you know, he, he, to me, suffers from the same thing Seth Rollins suffered from. Um, there wasn't a clear direction all year. And once again, the pandemic had a lot to do with that. You didn't know who was going to be. Rollins was there all the time, but Kevin Owens had threatened to walk out a couple of times because they weren't wearing masks or really being safe and all that other type of stuff. So to me, he was consistent when he was on TV, when he is on TV. But to me, it wasn't until he got into his feud with Roman Reigns and then the Seth Rollins stuff where that's the only time I really could say like, all right, I know where they're going with him. But, like, it's, it's been consistent, but, like, very inconsistent at the same time. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, for an inconsistent show, these two, I had to put them in my honorable mentions because they were been consistent with matches. But, like, just... And like this thing also, the start and stop stuff. Like, him and Daniel Bryan, like, he's on... Uh, talking about, how, hey, I'm looking for a tag team partner. Why am I still looking for a tag team partner? You know, it's just, just stuff like that that gets dropped. It's not his fault. It's the booking. We know who it is. Number three, Nick Aldis, man... The pandemic came and screwed over NWA. I didn't watch the show. I would listen to the reviews of it on certain podcasts. Um, and so I would watch certain clips of it. I, I did watch certain clips of it. And the feud between... Uh, he was The feud between him and... Uh, I forgot the guy's name. I should have written... Something told me to write it down. Matter of fact, I'm going to look it up right now. Because that's going to bother the hell out of me. Um, let's see. Ah, this is kind of annoying, but I knew it was going to happen, so let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, how do I find the NWA roster here? It says Wikipedia. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, oh, man, it's taking me back to, like... Forever. Uh, so I, this is really bad, but who, who cares? It's my show. Um, so one of the problems with it, you can skip ahead until I find what I'm looking for here. Because I want to say his name. He's an older guy. He cut a what hell of a promo about freaking his mom. Tim Storm. Um, so, to me, I don't think it's Tim Storm. I don't. I don't think it's Tim Storm. I really don't. Doesn't matter, I guess. But anyways, it, it, no, it is Tim Storm. It is. 
he, he was having a great feud with him. He had just gotten his own faction, and um, they were going to take over NWA. Like, he really got screwed. NWA got screwed as a whole. Um, but anyways, I, I felt like I had to put him on this list. I couldn't. He hasn't wrestled. He hasn't been on TV, nothing. The 10 pounds of gold. And also, at the same time, um, David Lagana. Dave Lagana, who who's a part of Hashtag Speaking Out, I think he has filed some lawsuits against some people, but them losing him was a huge blow because Nick Aldis actually came out here to Colorado to Rocky Mountain Pro wrestle some matches, and I actually saw the, in the 10 pounds of gold. It was amazing to see him with it, and he was really being a world-traveling champion, and he just got screwed over, but he hasn't wrestled pretty much this entire year. So I couldn't put him on the list because that's not his, but that wasn't his fault. But at the same time, I had to put him on honorable mentions because I think he's forgotten at what a great job he's done over the last couple years uh, as NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And number four, uh, we talked about his wife as number 10 on the women's list, Jonathan Gresham, one half of the ROH Tag Team Champions with Jay Lethal. They've held those belts all year. As I record this, final battle just happened. They just retained those titles, so they're going to go into 2021 as the ROH World Tag Team Champions. They're a great tag team. At the same time, he won the ROH Pure Championship and um, in a great finals match. It was a good tournament, but it was a great finals match. And so to me, I, had, I couldn't put him on my list because there was too many good men that I had to leave off that were higher than him anyway. But I had to put him on honorable mentions because you hear names like Hangman Page all the time or... Or, or Cody or Bray Wyatt or this person or that person. You don't hear enough about Jonathan Gresham. He's done great work this year, and I'm happy for his success. But let's get to number 10. Number 10, we're starting this thing off with a bang. We're starting this thing off with a little controversy. Kenny Omega is my number 10. I say that because he came into the year with a bang. They had a five-star match. We're going to use, use that. Between the Hangman, Alan Page, Kenny Omega, defending their World Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks. At Revolution. One of the best matches all year. Then it was the back and forth with the who, who it, when he's turn when is he turning heel? When he losing these tag team championships. When he and so it was interesting. And then Paige was off TV due to coronavirus. So you had to slow. Then when he came back, they had to stay in stampede. So it's the elite versus the inner circle. Then it was little tidbits here and there. But when we got the cleaner, he's been on fire and it's been only the last two months though but i had to put him on the list he is the current aew men's heavyweight champion former long former and longest reigning tag team champion with hangman and page but i couldn't put him higher because everything was such a slow burn but also the pandemic this is this is how it hurt him and i and also we know it hurt him by design he was clearly giving shine to other wrestlers in this organization, which is just smart business on his part. He didn't want to Vern Gagne the thing and just control everything. But now that we have the cleaner back, I'm expecting him to be higher on my list next year in 2021. But I couldn't put him, I couldn't put him higher. Number nine, Chris Jericho. He came in as the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. He lost to their revolution to John Moxley, but since then. To me, the reason he's on this list is because he's elevated other talent. To me, him being in the inner circle with Sammy Guevara, giving them the rub, giving pride and glory to and Jack Hague. I know people 
just don't like Hager. They just, they just don't like him, which is fine. But him being in the group does put some rub on him. Him being in a tag team with Jericho puts some rub on him. He had three matches with Orange Cassidy. None were classics, but it was a, it was a trilogy of matches that put Orange Cassidy over. And to me, the only negative is that he does lose a little too much. But the point is, at the end of the day, He's constantly giving new people the rub for the business to survive and for the business to thrive. Him losing the MGF. These things are necessary for the business to, to grow. They just are. And he came in into AEW as a face. I still think he is the face that people know. Um, but he's transitioning out of that role. And to me, he still plays an important role in professional wrestling as long as he wants to play it. Number eight. A. Jay Styles. This man has done a lot this year. You know, um, I do think his lack of championships has been noticeable. Um, I do think there was a missed opportunity with them giving Otis the men's money in the bank and not this man. But he went through an Intercontinental Championship tournament, having a classic final on TV with Daniel Bryan. Then having a great ladder match at SummerSlam. To me, the only negative of his year is he just he lacked a signature win on the big stage. He had a great, he had the best match at WrestleMania. Well, fight at WrestleMania, and he also many vented at WrestleMania. So, so he would do the thing that CM Punk was dying to do. He main vented night one of WrestleMania with the Undertaker, which if if Taker's to be believed. That is his last match. So he could potentially retire the Undertaker and have his last match, fight, whatever you want to call it. But to me, that's the only negative. He lacked the big stage win. The latter match, Sami Zayn won on the big stage. He's As as it's recording, it's TLC weekend, but he's going to lose to Drew McIntyre. He lost to the Undertaker. He didn't win the Rumble. He didn't win Money in the Bank. And that Intercontinental Championship tournament is classic. But it was on the Friday before the pay-per-view. So it wasn't even on the air quotes big stage, you know? So to me, that's what hurts him on this list. After when I first wrote my list out, he wasn't even on it. And I threw that paper away. I should have kept it so you guys could have known my original list. But AJ Styles wasn't on it. And I said, there's no way someone that retired the Undertaker had the latter match he had with Sami Zayn and Jeff Hardy and had that classic match with Daniel Bryan should be left off my list. But... I got to find a place for him. And so I took someone else off. I can't remember who. I took a couple of people off, actually. Number seven, Keith Lee. His booking since the main roster hurt him here. The only thing he's done memorable on the main roster is pin Randy Orton clean in like a five-minute match. Um, otherwise, the last four months of the year has hurt him tremendously. As it's recorded, he took his first pinfall loss to the Miz Morrison in a handicap match. And... Some people will say he lost two-on-one. The problem is John Morrison and Miz have lost to people two-on-one all year. So the booking of him since he left NXT outside of the Randy Orton stuff has hurt him tremendously on this list. But I could not keep him off the list because he wasn't on my list at first either. But I could not keep a man who won the NXT North American Championship in a match with Roddy Strong and then defeated the longest reigning NXT men's champion, Adam Cole, to be to hold both singles titles simultaneously. He's the only man to do it. 
only the second black man to win an NXT championship. First since the second champion, Big E. But the way he lost the championship so fast, he gave up the, the, the North American championship. I couldn't put him higher. Because, like I said, he had that win over Randy Orton, but that's the only thing since in the last four months he's done significant. I, I thought the match with him and Karrion Cross was subpar, but no, Karrion Cross was injured during like the last part of it. Um, but he still had hell. He still had a hell of a year. The Royal Rumble moment with Brock Lesnar. Um, he's had a hell of a moment, and hopefully, if I find if, if my fancy booking is to be listened to, he's gonna have a moment at WrestleMania where he and a moment at the Royal Rumble this this upcoming year. So, number six. Naito, a hell of a year for him. He is currently, as we record this, both the IC champion and the world champion of New Japan. He's going to go to New Japan to defend both those belts. And the pandemic, only thing that really hurt him was the fact that the pandemic stopped shows in New Japan for a long time. By the time they reopened, he did get his, he did beat no evil um, for for both belts. Um, But that's the only thing that hurt him on this. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what what New Japan has uh, for Wrestle Kingdom, um, but yeah, I couldn't keep I couldn't keep him off the list. He's been great. Number five, another surprising one, but I, he didn't wrestle most of the year, so I couldn't in good conscience put him higher than five. Roman Reigns. We all know if you listen to this show at any given time, you know my thoughts on what Roman Reigns is doing right now. He's having the best run of his career. Best. Heel in the business at this point. I could not put him higher because, like I said, he missed half the year for good reason. Once again, a lot of these people have good goddamn reasons for being off TV. But see, when when you come back from a, a exile, you need to come back with a bang, like Roman Reigns did. He debuted after Fiend won the Universal Championship. He took them both out, Braun Strowman and The Fiend, aligned himself with Paul Heyman, and took out, in one week, both Braun Strowman and Bray to regain the Universal Championship he never lost. He's put his family in line. He's putting the the entire SmackDown roster in line as the head of the table. The only thing I don't like, and this is not Roman Reigns' fault, this is booking, and this is me being nitpicky, has now become a trope. In the Royal Rumble, and hopefully that's no longer a trope now that he's a heel, to eliminate Roman Reigns last. At one point in time, it was Triple H that it was the trope of. I believe Roman, I believe Triple H had four different occasions where he was the last person that was eliminated. I know what happened with John Cena's win. I know what happened with Randy Orton's win. With Roman Reigns, the same thing. Orton's win, Reigns was the last one eliminated. Shinsuke Nakamura's win. Reigns last one eliminated. Drew McIntyre this year. Roman Reigns eliminated. It's become a trope that needs to end. And hopefully now with him being a heel, it can end. Number four. Some people won't like this. Because some people, a lot of people don't like this guy. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is a two-time TNT champion, being the inaugural champion. The longest reigning TNT champion. I think that may change very soon with Darby Allin. Calling it. He, for as much as people got with him winning, he was giving a lot of talent under contract and not under contract with AEW chances for television spots to just wrestle him. People, I think people lost sight of what 
the TNT Championship was for, the way Cody was doing it. He was doing it to to give, essentially, auditions for talent on live TV. WWE would never do that. They'll give you a dark segment. I think that was lost in the equation because so many people hate Cody Rhodes. Why? I don't know. The same reason I, I see Cody the same way I see LeBron. People just hate LeBron, and no matter what he he can sit here and feed 10 starving babies. You'll see him feeding 10 starving babies, finding them good homes. They're taken care of. Man, he's only doing that for show. Those kids weren't homeless. Like, you'll have people doing that. They have, it's, they're, they're hated for if they do good, they're hated if they do bad. I saw some people hate the fact that Cody and Brandy announced that they were pregnant on television. And people said, well, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins didn't. Yeah, technically, Becky Lynch did. She handed over the women's championship and said, I'm pregnant. That happened on television. So I don't know. To me, and he knew when he, he knows when to lose. Brody Lee felt like he was special coming in, but he had lost to John Moxley, even though he got a world championship match. He lost to Moxley. Then he destroyed Cody in five minutes or less to win the TNT championship. Yes, he lost it back, but I think Brody's been injured as well. But he put Brody over. He's put Darby Allen over, losing both to both of these guys. And he lost when he needed to lose to these guys. And to me, how he's lost to both these guys has been really important. So I could not keep him off the list. He's number four on the list. Number three, the longest reigning NXT champion of all time, Adam Cole. Couldn't keep him off the list. He's a triple crown winner in NXT. Longest reigning NXT champion in history. The only problem I have with Adam Cole or problem with he, him in the Undisputed Era have nothing left to do with NXT. But it feels like either they don't want to go or, or Triple H doesn't want to let them go. But they have nothing else to do. And that's the only problem. They've been literally in every single War Games match. So I know some people have Undisputed Era fatigue. But I, I his, his 2020 was great. Simak feuds with Velveteen Dream, others. Just, um, I think his next step is WrestleMania. I'm scared for what they're going to do them on the main roster. I really am. But his next step is to highlight a WrestleMania match. They, he showed what he can do last year when he had that SmackDown match with Daniel Bryan. He is a superstar. Even before WWE and NXT, he was a superstar in OH and a superstar in New Japan. I just, I just don't, I think that's the only problem you have with him. And then Spider is what you do with him next. Number two, Drew McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble, having a moment for the ages when he eliminated Brock. Like I said, I can't stress enough, being in that building and the 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 pop, whatever you want to call it, when he eliminated Brock was tremendous. When he eliminated Reigns was tremendous, but nothing was like the Brock one. Him, unfortunately, he's been... Unfortunately, unfortunately, but unfortunately, he has been the guy to carry the banner during this pandemic. However, fortunately, he has been the guy. He got. We'll never know how his reign will have done numbers wise. We'll never know it. That is. That this there needs to be asterisk by this world championship, because we don't know how the numbers would have been for him. And we don't know if he would have been in bare feuds. That's my only. Now he would he would have not been in a feud with Dolph Ziggler. 
He would have been in a feud with other people. His match with Bobby Lashley proves that. They had a great match. But he's been hurt by his pandemic. So there's an asterisk next to it. And not asterisk in a bad way. Asterisk in like, well, well you know, we, we'll never know. But he's, he's held the banner strong. He's had a great year. And looking forward to seeing what he does when he get fans back in the building into this upcoming year. He is now, a, he's put over strong. A Royal Rumble winner. Brock Lesnar defeater. <laughs> you know, he held the championship until he lost it to, to Randy Orton. Then he regained the championship to have a great match with Roman Reigns. So he's had some great moments this year. Uh, I think the Randy Orton feud went a little too long. But, you know, and I, and I don't think he needed to lose the championship to Randy Orton. But you know what? They did it. It's a part of history now. He's a two-time WWE champion. Some people will never clown that mind out more than once. He has, and to me, he has nothing but a bright future ahead of him where he's going to win many more championships and have better moments. But he carried the banner for this company in some of his darkest days. And that's most important. They're the right guy, in my opinion. Number one, and I do agree with PWI on this, John Moxley. Double champion all year. Unfortunately, the U.S. championship for uh, New Japan has been obsolete because he couldn't uh, travel. And the thing that's even forgotten even more is he's a two-time U.S. champ. He got stripped of it before because he couldn't travel. Then he became U.S. champion again. Why they put the belt back on him, I'll never know. But I guess they didn't see a pandemic coming. I think I guess no one saw that coming. Um, he was undefeated up until December so he only has one loss on his AEW record. What can you say about John Moxley besides he's been he's been just just the banner, just the strength of this AEW roster? When Renee Young, his wife, caught COVID, he said, "Hey, I gotta stay away. I'm, I've been you know, exposed, but I gotta take care of my woman." You know, and they understood. He's defended that championship at any against everybody. Brody Lee. These think about the names. These are not household names. But they are important names to show how strong of a champ he's been. Brody Lee, MJF, Brian Cage, Eddie Kingston, Kenny Omega, Lance Archer. None of those names are household names. Kenny Omega may maybe so. MJF is coming up. But all those people he defended the championship against and had good to decent decent to good to great matches. And to me, I don't know where you go with them from here. I guess a chase now. And so you might have to have him run through. You might have to have him show up on impact where he's running through the entire bullet club just to get back to Kenny Omega. I don't think he gets that championship back anytime soon, but you know, he, there's still, there's still ways for him to go. So, um, to me, you're 10 for men's side, Kenny Omega, 10, nine, Chris Jericho, eight, AJ Styles, seven, Keith Lee, six, Naito, five, Roman Reigns, four, Cody, three, Adam Cole, two, Drew McIntyre, and one is John Moxley. And to me, I th these are well-deserved, but more importantly, they carried the banner in a terrible, terrible situation, a terrible year. And to me, there's no way, if John Moxley can do this in a pandemic, can you imagine what he can do when his fans back in the arena? Because they went crazy for him when he won the championship in Revolution. So... Anyways, that is my top 10 list for both men and women. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you guys have a safe, great new year. And I will see you guys next year. Out.